We all want our kids to be trailblazers and forward thinkers, maybe just not in our house. Today, we're going to talk about how we can foster that relationship and create an environment of acceptance in our homes. Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your children, and your partner. We are going to give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. This is Felicia Allen. I am a social media marketer, writer, and a mom to three boys, ages four, two, and one. And I'm Tara Lynn Griffin, an English professor turned stay-at-home mom to four kids, ages 10, eight, five, and two. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you, our awesome listeners. Let's find the magic together. All right, everybody, I'm going to start with our facepalm today. And mine is just a funny facepalm, but I was in my car all alone, which never happens. And what? (laughs) That sounds magical. It was. It's nice. Setting off some texts, very relaxed-like. And I looked over and I saw a huge bee in my car. Huge (laughs) bee. I actually didn't even know if it was a bee for a second because it's so big. And so I'm in a parking lot of like a shopping center by our house. And so I'm like, oh boy. So I... (laughs) grab I had like a shoe and my window was open so I tried to like shoo it out but it wasn't flying like it was just like a lame bee it was just like sitting there so I was like okay I'm good so I hop out go around and I'm trying to get this paper and like scoot it under it and like help it get somewhere safe you know to a tree or something so I stick the paper under like the little legs and right as I stick it under Mm. it starts flying (laughs) right right at me and like flies at me like hits my chest and it's like zooming around my head and i'm freaking out and i'm like (laughs) i'm flinging i'm running around my car and there's people parked newly pulled in on both sides of me who are getting out and i'm like running around and they're just like looking i'm like sorry it's just a bee and they seriously just looked at me like oh and it's like walk away like they were not amused at all the bee flew away though it wasn't lame it was fine it was very embarrassing that is amazing i can't believe those people didn't laugh i like nothing you think you'd just laugh your head off i know i'm like it was a bee you know i think yeah surely this explains it's a bee no they just looked at me like, okay. i wish i could have seen that oh, that bad. sounds amazing actually <laughs> amazing that happened to me once in salt lake and i was with my mom but there was a spider on me oh I like pulled over in the middle of this like full-blown busy street and I jump out of my car and I'm full-blown doing like a shake my booty dance like freaking out and all these cars are like honking at me like Like, yes like I am full-blown losing it if you were driving too but those situations you just wish you had a camera I know America's funniest videos okay I love that story I love it okay well my high five is a little more serious high five I actually had a good funny one but So mine is my 10-year-old daughter, between my 10-year-old daughter and my 8-year-old daughter. um, As you guys know, I shared a few episodes ago about grief. My oldest daughter had lost her beloved parakeet. Um, He died, and it was very sad. But since then, I noticed a shift in her and my other daughter's relationship. My oldest was um, just not being very nice to my second daughter, and she was, like, snapping at her and anything that my, you know, my 8-year-old did... She, like, if it was good, you could tell she immediately was just, like, mad about it. Like, mm-hmm. mad that you're doing something good. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, didn't want 
you know, she was just taking out it on her. And, um, and in the situations, obviously I do what I could to like say, you know, whatever, like to help the immediate situation, but it wasn't really helping. And so what I decided, and I was like, when did this, me and my husband were like, when did this start? And we're like, oh, it happened when Wizard died. So and like, that's when their shift was. Mm-hmm. And they're usually like best little friends. So and I was like, if this keeps going, like this could be a actually relationship damaging situation. So I took Lydia on a ski date. I took my 10 year old, um, she's my oldest. And I took her on a ski date to have some one-on-one time. So we had the whole afternoon together and I, you know, after, you know, she's told me about all the things in her life I brought up. I notice that I noticed that lately you've been having a hard time with your sister and it feel it feels to me like when I when I watch you that maybe when she does something that's good or exciting it almost makes you feel unhappy like her mm-hmm. achievements is making you feel unhappy and I've also noticed even as you guys play sometimes when she says things like you're just kind of annoyed at everything she says mm-hmm. so what do you think have you noticed that she's like yeah I have noticed that and I'm like do you is there a reason why like is and because I'm asking because is it something like you know me and daddy are giving her more attention like is it coming from that kind of a source or is there something specifically that she really is doing that's really bothering you or whatever and she's like no none of those things and so then we you know after we talked about it for a little bit i was like i have noticed a, a change since wizard died and she's like you know what yeah i she's like i actually just think i'm feeling the sadness inside of me mm. and and she didn't say this but she's like but i do well she, how she said it was and yeah it's made me feeling grumpy at savannah but like why is that mm-hmm. And so it's great because we were able to have a conversation about how a lot of times when we're feeling something really strong or really strong negative emotion, sometimes it is our natural tendency to take it out on the people who are closest to us. Yeah. And you moms out there and you dads know this really well because oh, yeah. a lot of times your kids take it out on you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because they feel safe with you. But because her and my daughter are so close, unfortunately, it was showing up in their relationship. And so it's been so great because we just talked about it. I mean, literally, it was literally just talking about it, talking about feelings, letting her process it. She even cried for a little while at the ski resort. You know, we're in the lodge. She's crying about her parakeet, and we're talking about that. And anyway, so it was really great. And it's that was like a week and a half ago, and that contention is gone. Sure. So it was nice literally, <laughs> yeah, it literally wasn't even an issue between her and her sister. It was the feelings on the inside that needed to come out and kind of really just being aware that it was affecting her relationship. Mm-hmm. So that's one of those times that I was like, oh, my heavens, that yes. actually worked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, just totally. seeing it worked. And mm-hmm. I'm so grateful because sisters are the best friends. Totally. Sisters, oh, sisters and it's hard when friends. siblings are in a weird all siblings get in little funks and it's like, oh, come on guys, pull through. I need you. <laughs> yes. So, anyway, so okay. So we are going to start with a listener question that we feel like connects to this subject that we're talking about really well. And it is from Marissa. And she said, um, my, s- Oh, I was wondering if you can talk about ways to help your toddler understand the word. No, my son, 19 months definitely thinks that word is funny. I have really good patience with him, but we are in a stage where no means yes to him. <clears throat> Do you have any recommendations on how to work with him on this? I get extra stress when it comes to things that can hurt him, such as climbing on stuff. Okay, so I love this question because we've all been there. 
<laughs> with babies and toddlers and doing things that we don't want them to do. So um, first tip on that I would say is my, my rule of thumb is to try to say no as little as possible because no is we want it to be a strong word but a lot of times we dilute it by saying no so much to our kids that they're like whatever mom just saying no again like i don't even care <laughs> and so i think we can start with babies and toddlers by saying no as little as you can so for me it's i try to save no for like choking hazards or getting burned or whatever super dangerous things um <clears throat> but even with like hitting or playing with something of mine like a trinket they're not supposed to have I try not to use no because it's not life or death and I want to save no for more serious things so I think that's a good rule of thumb to start with and then second tip is um, if you can create a safe space for them so Janet Lansbury talks all the time about having wherever your baby or toddlers play be a place where they can be curious because that's how they learn and touch and play with and move pretty much anything they want in that space so it could be just um baby proofing your house gates for stairs and little things for plugs or whatever or if you are in a situation where that doesn't really work because maybe maybe you're living with somebody else and they have a bunch of stuff that your baby can get into or whatever they have like those gates that you can put on the ground what are those called like the big not like a playpen but you know mm -hmm. like you can create a space a that's play just yard. theirs yeah a play yard um, so maybe something like that, but trying to eliminate having to say no. <clears throat> so you're actually changing. It isn't that you're not saying no to dangerous things. It's that you're creating a space that requires more, requires less no's and more gives freedom. them more freedom mm -hmm. within that frame. So you're literally actually just creating a physical frame. You're changing the outward surroundings to make sure you don't have to say no as much. Yeah, exactly. And then <clears throat> also, this is my favorite tip is, um, getting on their level and seeing I think this is overall just changing your mindset seeing that uh, babies toddlers even kids they're just curious by nature and that's how they learn so if you can see that you don't you don't necessarily need to say no because because you want them to learn these things and be curious you can just help them move out of that situation without them feeling like oh this is this is a bad thing so releasing the control so for example I don't I don't know what this kid is climbing on so I don't know like if it's a ladder he's climbing up the wall then just remove the ladder but say he has a habit of like my little boy who's one Sunny he loves to climb up onto our couch and he can climb onto our couch which is crazy because he's only one um and so for me what I like to do is I go over and instead of saying no 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 don't climb on the couch I go over and sit by him allow him a little bit of time just to like climb around on the couch and then when I can't be by him and be that safe thing that's protecting him I show him how to get down by himself so I like turn his feet and put his feet down on the ground because it isn't really an unsafe space. It's just an inconvenience for me to have him climbing around the couch because I'm always like, ah, what is he doing? Is he going to go off the other edge or whatever? So I kind of guide him and teach him how to get down. Or another example is we have a big tree potted in our house and it's full of dirt, obviously. And he loves to go crawl over and just grab handfuls of dirt and throw them on the ground. Grab another <laughs> handful, throw it on the ground. So if I have my adult agenda and my expectation of, why are you digging in the dirt? 
that's not what it's for. Stop. No, don't. No. Like yelling from across the room. And I'm expecting that the one-year-old, two-year-old is just going to stop digging in this glorious dirt inside their house because I said no. It's not really a realistic expectation (laughs) of him. So if I can remove that and take away the word no, go over and just move him away or hold him. Or if he keeps getting into it, I can put rocks in there so he can't reach the dirt or whatever. I make my, now my expectation is he's going to do that because he's curious and that's just what kids do. And he's so little. He's only one. So little. Like your four-year-old knows not to do that. Exactly. But a one-year-old doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, Like what is their capacity at that age? Then I can adjust accordingly and not have to try to control everything they're doing. I can release that a little bit. So I hope that helps. And I think it goes, we think it goes into the subject we're talking about really well. So this subject, um, we're, we're going to be talking about Dr. Shafali Sawberry's book called The Awakened Family. And um, we both read it sometimes parts multiple times and it's so good. And it goes along with, I mean, what we've been talking about a lot, but it is so deep and so good that <laughs> literally <laughs> Felicia and I have already met once to do this episode and we had to break. We, we had just to talk forever and throw up our hands. Oh. We're like, you know what? <laughs> we got to go home and do some more like meditating and pondering about this because it is, and well, actually I can't blame it on Felicia. It, it was me. So, and I'm going to use this example on how to unpack this. So in her entire book, it's about being aware and conscious in our parenting and really freeing our children from our this, this section we're talking about is freeing our children from our expectations. And when I say that, you're going to say, what? What do you mean? No. That's not right. <laughs> because I think a lot of us have, well, I know for sure me, again, because we had to like break and be like, <laughs> I got to think about this more. We have a positive connotation with the word expectation. You know, my whole life I've learned you expect great things out of people and they rise to your expectations. All those things. And I had to really actually analyze my own life growing up to see wait, hold on. Was it their expectations or was it their belief in me? And those are totally two different things. And what Mm -hmm. I came down to, it actually wasn't their expectations that was making me um, do good things in my life. Mm -hmm. It was myself and them actually giving me the belief inside of me, which Mm -hmm. is totally different things. So I feel very, anyway. So yeah, just so you know, even Felicia, Felicia and I talk about these things and it's really important to us to be able to explain it to you guys from a place of understanding Mm -hmm. so i'm gonna i'm gonna explain to you guys why this was such a big big issue for me we're gonna talk about three words the first one is expectation what that actually means in this situation intention and engagement so those three words and these three words are going to kind of unlock this whole concept but first um i want to explain how the whole premise of conscious parenting or as felicia and i call it wholehearted parenting the whole premise is that we control ourselves. We set limits and healthy boundaries for our children. But that when our children do something that creates really strong emotions in us, that says something about us. Mm-hmm. There's a trigger inside of us. And when you realize that, the world really opens up, both for your kids and for yourself. So this applies, I'm going to use um, one of my triggers as an example. So when Felicia and I were talking about the concept of expectations, we went straight to education, <laughs> which happens, apparently, I realized, is one of my triggers. 
I am an education freak. <laughs> I love education. I love school. I loved school growing up. I love, like, honestly, like, I get a buzz just walking on a university campus. Like, I just love, I love, the, I just love learning. <laughs> I love it all. I mean, I homeschool my kids right now. So, like, it's it's my thing. It's my you jam. You should have seen Terlin's face. I was like, so what if your kid just at 16 was like, I'm just going to go get an excavator and this, I'm just going to be an excavation person and start this huge business. And he's, like, passionate. And her face was like... Her eyes went huge. She was like, oh, no. Like, I don't know what I would do. <laughs> I'm all about, yeah, I'm all about supporting my kids, but not in dropping out of school. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, no, no. Which I don't think any of us are like, yeah. <laughs> no. Great. No. But, like, I clearly have a very, very, very strong expectation there. And it is a, a thing that's, like, really strong inside of me. And, and I even was like, well, my mom was big into education, and I loved that. Anyway, and I've really had to digest this concept. So I'm going to use this trigger of mine to unpack these three words. Okay, so for me, and again, I know I've listened to all the great business leaders of today. Some of them say college is, is great. Some say university education is totally not even applicable. So I'm not here to debate that concept. I'm just saying I love learning. I love education, no matter how that works. And for me, I do enjoy actual school as well. Mm -hmm. And I, my personal college education has been very valuable to me. So I'm taking all that, my personal bias, and I'm bringing it into how I see my kids. And I'm saying to them in my mind and out loud, actually, <laughs> education is so important. And I love my university education and I love my master's degree. And you should all do this because it's the best ever. Okay. So when I have an ex, so I'm going to say how an expectation looks. So expectation means you are applying it to somebody else in the future. So it's not in the present moment and it's not actually have anything to do with things that you actually have control over. Yeah. <laughs> it's somebody else. You expect, in my situation, I expect all of my children to go on and get higher education things and maybe master's degree, PhDs, whatever. <laughs> you know, they can go as far as they like. <laughs> That's my expectation. Okay, so it has to do with somebody else and it's in the future. That's an expectation. Then let's move on to a better, I think a far more powerful world word and that is intention. So, oh, and, and also just on the expectation note, just a note about that. Expectations actually do not help relationships. So they have the capacity when a person in our life, so this applies to husbands, um, any family member, not just kids. If a friend, if somebody doesn't meet your expectation, it has the possibility of damaging your relationship. And actually Shafali says that, and I agree with this, most conflicts in a relationship have to do with somebody not meeting a, an expectation you have for them. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when they don't meet that expectation, you feel like they feel like you don't love them as much or whatever, and it damages your relationship. Mm -hmm. Then there's the word intention. A true intention has to do with the present moment and only myself. So, and that is powerful. Intention is very powerful. So, let's apply this to my trigger, which is education. It doesn't mean, so if I value education, it doesn't mean that this concept is telling me just to let go and just let my kids do whatever they want. And if they don't go to school and they're five, or sorry, I mean, homeschool, whatever, any kind of education, mm -hmm. if they just choose to stop learning, I'm okay with that. That's not what we're saying at all, at all, at all. It does not mean passive. It doesn't mean no guidance, none of those things. But intention is super powerful. So for me with my children, intention is, am I showing them today 
that I love learning, that I am in awe of this world that we live in, that we can learn anything. We have access to every area of knowledge. I mean, it's amazing. Like it just gets me excited just thinking about it. We have the natural world and biology, life science, physics, chem. I mean, seriously, like I could go on and on. Literature, like I get so pumped. We're reading a book right now that referred to this other great work of literature. And I'm like, I like stop it. Like, guys, <laughs> this is amazing. Like, I mean, I just love it. Are, am I showing them? that I love learning, not telling them you should love it exactly like I do, mm -hmm. but am I showing them that I love it? Mm -hmm. Also, am I giving them every day in the present <clears throat> moment, am I allowing in the schedule that I am in charge of in our home, because my kids are still small, am I giving them space and time to learn and get that love for themselves? So it's, e it's really easy right now for me with homeschool because we have plenty of time for this. But you know, when, like when my uh, daughter goes to school, Am I scheduling the evening in a way that allows her to have time to work on her homework in a really safe space? Am I giving her a workspace where she can go? Am I, or am I overscheduling her so that she, by the time she comes home from all of her stuff, she's exhausted and she doesn't have time for homework. That's not going to set her up for a love of education and learning, mm -hmm. right? So instead of putting the expectation, if I take the intention of this is what I am going to do, I'm going to give them the safe space and to do it, I'm going to show them my own love. I'm going to introduce them to as many concepts of the beautiful world of learning that I can. That all I can control. Mm -hmm. And I really actually firmly believe that it will have a really strong influence on them as they grow. They still have responsibility over their own choices, especially as they get older and turn into adults. But that I'm in control of. Yeah. So, and then I can let them be themselves. I can mm -hmm. actually feel confident in that I don't have to actually hold them to exactly my definition, my expectation. My love isn't tied to that at all. Mm -hmm. And then the last word is engagement. And this is the most powerful word of all. Engagement has to do with us connecting with our kids or any, again, anybody in our lives. I know this is totally directed towards parenting, but it really applies to any situation. Mm -hmm. If somebody isn't meeting your expectation, I think a really important place to start, first of all, intention. What is your intention? What do you have control over in the present moment? And then are you engaging with that person in a way that lets them know that you understand them and you're present with them and you're connecting with them? Because that's really, <laughs> I really feel like all influence that we have in anybody's lives starts with engagement and connection. Mm -hmm. So we don't, we're not influenced by people who we don't think actually care about us or love us. Exactly. If you just have a parent mm -hmm. who's always saying, you should do this, you should do this, and you should do this, but you don't actually feel connected to them, honestly, you're going to push away. Mm -hmm. So I actually feel like intention and engagement, it's interesting because the paradox is, I actually think the end results will be more positive mm -hmm. when you're not actually focusing on those end results, results expectations. Mm -hmm. But when you focus just on the expectations and the end results, what ends up oftentimes happening, you have the possibility of taking away from that relationship and in the end you may not even you probably have less chance of getting those results right so oh sorry I was just gonna say you can apply this like formula to anything and I was thinking about it with I feel like a lot of people have struggles with getting their toddlers and kids to eat or like foods and a lot of times we set this expectation of that's what's on your plate. You eat all that food right now. Like eat all the food, all the things that you don't even like. But if you set the intention of, I want my kids to enjoy food and live healthfully and you have all these intentions that you're guiding them down this path of food enjoyment, I think you will end up with an adult who 
has this healthy relationship with food. But if you set this forward expectation and they're forced into this, yeah, a lot of times kids totally push against that. Yeah. And anything you are turning into a power struggle. So I think Mm -hmm. food is an amazing example. As soon as you turn food into a power struggle, it stops becoming fuel for our amazing bodies and Mm -hmm. becomes this chance that they have to assert their control. Right. And we all know, I mean, we all love people who have struggled with eating things Mm -hmm. and it usually stems from that it is a control issue. Food doesn't have to be a control issue. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at it from the present moment intention of my intention here is to present my children with a wide variety of food. I'm in control of that, but I am not in control of making them eat anything. And there are actually some really great books. Intuitive Eating mm-hmm. is well, both the link to it. And there's also one called um, How to Get Your Kids to Eat Everything But Not Too Much. Mm-hmm. And that's literally the entire premise is you can control what you put on the plate. But if you turn it into a power struggle of you eat the broccoli before you eat the roll, and if you don't, I'm going to have to make you sit here all night, mm-hmm. the food has lost. They're not going to actually like broccoli from that situation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. You can ask gently, try it. Like my, mm-hmm. my role in my house is I'm never going to force you to eat anything. I ask that you try everything, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to force it. And s- most of the times they do choose to try everything. And every once in a while they choose not to, mm-hmm. but it's not a power thing. And if you want a healthy relationship with food, the present moment intention is you present it and then you allow them control and you don't turn it into a power struggle. Mm-hmm. So with my own life, I just want to show this because this is again where I really got hung up with Felicia and I was like, no, this doesn't work. <laughs> so with my own thing of education, my mom was, I mean, she like my mom and my dad, they're both love learning and they taught me how to love all sorts of beautiful subjects. And I thought I was like, well, they expected me to do good in school. And that's why I did. But then when I really unpacked it, I was like, wait, no, no, no. They actually didn't. It wasn't that that motivated me. It was that they believed in me and they gave me at a really young age the responsibility for my own education. They showed me by their example and they're talking about their own education, how much they loved it. But then it was, we believe in you and they let me, I mean, I managed all my own stuff in school. They never forced me to take a class. They never like talked every, like, have you done this assignment for tomorrow? Mm -hmm. I was in charge of all of that. And but I knew that they believed in me, that they knew that I could do it. Mm-hmm. And so, but I didn't feel like their love was conditional. Like if I came home with a grade that wasn't an A, I, w- I knew they weren't going to have an issue about it at all because mm-hmm. they also saw that I was trying. <clears throat> but you know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was actually their love for learning and their just belief in me as a person that made me feel like I'd go conquer the world. Mm-hmm. It wasn't their expectation that I conquer the world for mm-hmm. them to love me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And those are... Totally different things. And I had to really look at my own childhood to identify that. Yeah, totally. And something we loved in Shafali's book was she has a quote. Uh, I don't know if it's an exact quote, but it's pretty much this. We want our kids to be trailblazers and forward thinkers, but just not in our home. And I think this connects directly to that. So we want our kids to go out and get these big, big educations and start these huge companies and be like starting movements and being these great, amazing, uplifting people. But in our house, <laughs> please be quiet. Don't be in control of your own things. Don't you know make your own decisions. So it's really a paradox that we get stuck in where we don't see that our kids have these beautiful spirits that are so alive with their own ideas and they have all this amazing stuff boiling up inside. And we kind of a lot of times, not ill-intentioned, like we're doing it from a place of like, good we really are but we kind of squander them because we want them to just like here's our little adult world box and like let me put you inside of it (laughs) (laughs) so can we really 
release that control and accept any path our kids choose. We do get to control the environment and ourselves and what we present to them, but then can we relinquish that control to them? And I think if we start with babies and toddlers, so start your journey as early as you can, and that's with anything, right? Then we can let go of that adult agenda and be able to be more present and intentional with them and we always talk about zooming in and zooming out. So I think that's the zoomed in version of letting go of our expectations. So starting with the baby digging in the pot, or we just expect them because our adult agenda is not to dig in the dirt. And when we say no to just stop, do we expect that of them? Or do we have the intention of, oh, I wanna connect with him. I wanna see that his world is curious and he wants to enjoy all of these things in our home. And once I see that, I we can let go of our expectation and I like to emphasize our it's not theirs they don't have any expectations kids are only present so can we get there with them um and, and I Felicia think does have these giant rocks in her pot and <laughs> also do. helped your cat yeah so exactly. that's the great thing you're yeah. there with him you're present you see why he wants to dig the pot but then you just make it so that he can't dig in the pot anymore mm-hmm. and it's a positive but you haven't sacrificed anything in your relationship exactly and I think if a really good way to think of this is if we can see our kids as our enlighteners and i don't know i'm sure all of you out there have a moment with each of your kids where you're like wow you just taught me so much i think they're really sent here to teach us these big things (laughs) and if we can get to a place of stretching and learning from them instead of just being cinched up and this is what i believe and you're being disrespectful and closing off to what they have to teach us then and releasing those expectations of our kids, then they can really teach us so much. And Shafali, I love this, she says in the same book, um, when we have these strict expectations of our children, it absolves us of our need to change. And when we absolve ourselves of that and we're not growing, well, that's just never a good cycle. We always need to be learning and growing and we can take that opportunity from our kids. Okay, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back um, with a little more on changing your intention. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we're going to talk a little bit about triggers. I've already shared with you guys a huge trigger for me, but um, we're hoping that you learn from this how to look at your own triggers. So again, and this doesn't apply just to parenting. I can apply this to my marriage. If Jeff does something that really brings up a lot of emotion inside of me, it's the perfect opportunity to actually look inside of myself. What is triggering me? Because... And you'll find, again, this is why parenting is so great. You'll find that there are certain things that are almost irrationally strong inside of you. Like, why did I get so into Mm -hmm. that education thing? Like, why Mm -hmm. does that create such a huge barrier inside of me? Um, And it doesn't mean that the 
the education isn't good. It means that there's something inside of me that has more to do with me than it has to do with other people, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I love this. If you look, and, and a lot of times, a lot of times it has to do with something about the way we are raised. So, for example, um, I have a friend who, her husband, every time he comes into the house with mud on his shoes, um, she doesn't like it. She feels unappreciated because he's walking around the house that she just cleaned with mud on her sh- his shoes. But whenever she tell asks him, will you please take off your shoes when you come in the house? He gets way triggered mm-hmm. and withdraws and does all those things. But the interesting thing about that, if you look at that from a reasonable standpoint, logic would say, oh, it's fine. Just take off your shoes. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not a big deal. But for him growing up, his mom was really, really, um, he had a really strange relationship with his mom and she would always tell him, get mad at him for and treat him like a kid. And even when he was an adult, he felt like she still treated him like a child. So when his wife now says, will you please take off your shoes when you come in the house? <sighs> he goes automatically into, you're treating me like a kid, like my mom still does. And I have this strained relationship with her and I've never felt loved by her. So that means now I don't feel loved by you. And so do you see how in that mm-hmm. trigger, it really had all to do with his own emotions regarding his own childhood. Mm-hmm. So once he realized that, it's so cool. It was actually in therapy. He realized, oh, that's a trigger. Mm-hmm my wife still loves me even mm-hmm. if she asked me to take off my shoes and she's not treating me like a child because look she actually treats me like a man in almost every other way so and he was able to like unhook from that right so that's just an example of if you guys can kind of pay attention to what triggers inside of you and actually just take a minute to think why is this triggering me so much mm-hmm. why am i so obsessed with this it doesn't mean you don't do anything about it it doesn't mean if your kid's doing something that's really triggering you it doesn't mean you're just like okay do it all the time that's fine you can still set limits and boundaries that are healthy but you can do it from a place without that really strong emotion inside of you Mm -hmm. because your kids are gonna your kids are feeling it if you're Mm -hmm. reacting out of anger and you're withdrawing your love or you're walking you know ignoring Mm -hmm. like that husband did that detracts from your relationship and your engagement and your connection Mm -hmm. which is not good over time but if you can still, again, make steps to limit the behavior or whatever it is, because that's our role as parents, but you can do it from a place of peace, mm-hmm. that's what happens when you start identifying your own triggers. That's like the freedom that allows you, you can set those boundaries without having that strong, strong, emotional, irrational reaction. Exactly. So if you just pay attention to that this next week, wow, Amazing. it's going to be awesome. Yeah. And you, when you get to that place of wholeness, it's, you're not in a place of fear and lack. So another expectation that I think a lot of people have or a place where a lot of parents get triggered is with big tantrums. And I was trying to identify what gets us to that place as parents. And I think if we think about it is, oh my gosh, I don't want my kid to just be this tantrum throwing, like whiny brat kid in the future. So the challenge there is to see that trigger and come into that moment. And if we can see that in that present moment, we're meeting them where they need us to meet them. So instead of, oh my gosh, I just took you to this fun, fun museum. We got all these treats and I took all this time out of my day and I was just with you, blah, blah, blah. You are so whiny and ungrateful and just a whiny brat. So that's the place we get into because we're triggered by their tantrum. But if we can take a second reconnect to the present moment and see wow yeah that museum was far away we kind of had to wake up early or we had to miss your nap and that was a lot of people kind of a sensory overload and now you are releasing all of that onto me your safe person so how much better is your response going to be when you get to 
that place. And I think it's really helpful to use the pause here because you can re-enter present, the present moment at any time and respond instead of react. Any moment is a chance to re-enter that present moment. <clears throat> and it ensures that whatever action you take is from a place of wholeness and not a place of lack. So I think it's, oh, this concept is so big. So next time we're gonna go over a ton of examples of how you can release control. But I think a few tips, a few things you can do this week. One, try not to take away your kid's kidness. That's what I like to call it. Um, if they're really afraid to be who they are with us, then I think two things can happen. They'll either react with more behavior that we don't really like, or they're going to kind of curl up and retreat and kind of think of it as killing a little bit of their spirit. And then in the future, they're not going to come to us with those big things that we really want them to come to us with. So I want you guys to try this this week, if you're interested or not, but pay attention to your triggers. Think about those three words that we talked about, expectation, intention, and engagement. And if you journal, maybe journal about your expectations and reset them as intentions or meditate on them or pray, whatever your preferred method is. And then next time we're going to apply them to some common pain points in parenthood. Okay, everybody, let's find the magic. Brown cows. <laughs>